for the announcements. Uh, we are in our small group break, so there is no small group this month on Fridays. So if you show up, the doors will be closed, and so uh, don't do that. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys enjoy this month. And we also, part of why we like to do small group breaks is because our leaders, they put so much into just being with you and planning those nights and being here every Friday that we want to make sure they get a little bit of a rest. We want to make sure that they have time to prepare for the next semester. And we want to make sure that they don't get tired and worn out. And so we like to give them a break so that God would just restore them and renew them and so that they can be the best leaders God has called them to be for you. Amen. Amen. So uh, we were talking about gifts, and uh, how many of you are just great gift givers? Like, that is, uh, that is your talent? Okay. How many are horrible gift givers? You are really, really bad at it. Yep. I, I'm, not, I'm in between, depending on the day. Uh, I don't know if you guys are like me. You ever, like, during Christmas, especially if there's multiple people in the family, you ever have somebody give a gift in your name, and you don't know what it is until the person opens it? They're like, this is for you from Joey. And I was like, I didn't get her anything. <laughs> like, for years, I, my sisters would get presents from me, and I'd be just as surprised when they opened the present. Like, oh, I got you a nice present, you know, because obviously my parents are trying to make sure they felt like we were giving each other stuff. And, uh, you know... I may not be a great giver, but I like gifts. I like when somebody gives me something. Um, and then I was talking to some of the leaders because, you know, with Pastor Appreciation Month a couple months ago, some people were asking me, like, well, what do we get you? Or what do you like? Or what are you into? And here's a great tip for if you're ever thinking about uh, what to get an older person, especially someone who has children. If you bless my family, it's just as good as if you're blessing me. And I was talking to AJ about that. He was just asking questions and I'm like, you know what, for me, I've always learned if I can bless somebody's children, I know that means more to them than if I got them something themselves. And so AJ, he got me a great pastor's appreciation gift, and he got my wife something, but he got my girls their own little present. And uh, Josie fell so in love with her present. The funny part is it wasn't her present. It was supposed to be her little sister's, but Josie's like, no, this is mine now. And he gave her this, like, little pink stuffed giraffe that I didn't even think Josie would like, but she pulled it out of the bag, and she just was hugging it and squeezing it, took it to her crib, and it just became hers. And then we started noticing some over the next few nights. She didn't just like this thing. She loved it. As a matter of fact, you guys got that picture real quick? This is how we find her at night, sleeping with her stuffed pink giraffe. So good job, AJ, on that present, because my daughter freaking loves her pink giraffe. That don't go nowhere. That stays in the crib. That's her special gift. And so every night she cuddles with that. That draft gets more cuddles than I do, um, which I'm jealous of it. So you can put that down. And so I was thinking about that, the, these gifts that we give and what it means when we give gifts. And obviously we're in the middle of Christmas, and so gifts are on people's minds. So I want to spend the next couple of weeks uh, talking about some gifts that God gives us. And the one I want to talk about tonight, it seems like a very obvious gift, especially for those of you in this room who have been in church for a while, but I really want to break it down because sometimes we don't fully understand the meaning of a gift until we take the time to break it down. And so if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you tonight about the gift of salvation. Talk to you about the gift of salvation. Now let me just give you some context in case you're unsure of what that means because here's the deal. A lot of times, you know, in church you'll, you'll hear they're like, hey, do you want to get saved? Do you, you want to give your life to Jesus? But I don't know how often people stop and ask, well, saved from what? 
Like, what is salvation and what is God saving you from? And if you read through your Bible, especially in the beginning, you'll find that when God created man, that uh, he, the Bible tells the story in Genesis of how there was a tree in the garden and he gave them instructions and he told them not to eat of this particular tree. And then Eve was having a conversation with the serpent and the serpent cunningly convinced her to do what God told her not to do. And so she and her husband, Adam, ate of that fruit. And the Bible says that in that moment, they died, spiritually speaking. They didn't physically drop dead. They were spiritually dead, which means they were cut off from God. Before that moment, the Bible says that God would walk with them during the cool of the day, that God would hang out with them. And in this moment, because God is a holy God, because God is without sin, once sin entered into the world, it separated us from God. And so now, we no longer, from that point on, had a relationship with God. The good thing is, immediately after, in Genesis chapter 3, there's a portion on the lower part where God is beginning to explain to Adam and Eve what the consequences of their sins are going to be. And one of the things he says is he says, I will put enmity, in in other words, (laughs) deep struggle between your offspring and the serpent. And it says that he will bite his heel, the serpent will bite your offspring's heel, but that he will crush his head. And what that was saying is, right in the beginning, the moment that sin entered into the world, God sent the solution for that sin. The moment we messed it up, God began fixing it. And the solution to that sin is the offspring of Eve, which we come to know as Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was going to come into the world, born of a virgin. It's what we celebrate during Christmas. God sent his one and only son so that you and I would not perish, so that we could have eternal life through him. And Romans talks about it. Sin entered into the world through one man, Adam, and so salvation entered into the world through one man, Jesus. One man's death caused death for all of us. Another man's death brought life to all of us. So this is really cool for full circle aspect when you really begin to study what all that means. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you're saying is you are paying the penalty for my sin because the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. Well, Christ died so that you and I wouldn't have to. And now that Christ died for that, I get to co-sign on that and I get to be a part of that and I get to enter into salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay, if I can try to explain it in maybe some different terms, it would be like if you deserve to go to jail and somebody volunteered to go do that sentence for you and say you will no longer have to pay your sentence. It doesn't mean you're not guilty. You're 100% guilty. But the consequences of that guilt are no longer going to be on you because somebody else was willing to pay that price. So that's all that happened in that moment. And so we flash forward because I think a lot of us in this room, we've made that decision or we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But I think we've misunderstood a few key things about that that are very important for you and I to get tonight. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. I want to read this and then I want to take some time to really break it down for you tonight. It says, for it is by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, okay? Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
I want to break this down because I think there's a few key things that you and I need to get if you're taking notes. With this amazing gift that God gives us, there's some things that you should understand about gifts. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this. A gift must be given. In order for it to be a gift, it must be given. Okay? The Bible says that it is by grace that you have been saved. Okay? A gift is something that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve, you were just given it. That's what makes it a gift, right? So let's just say you work a part-time job, right? Let's say you work somewhere in retail, you work at a, a Starbucks or a Skechers or, or whatever. Let's just say you work in retail. And you put in 40 hours, you work during the holiday season when everybody's super rude to you and annoying and, and I, I thank Jesus every single day I got to leave retail and I don't have to work at Target anymore because when I was a manager at Target, the holiday season was rough, okay? People are mean. Y'all supposed to be loving Jesus during this season and they are like tackling people and fighting people and acting all crazy. At one time I saw somebody fighting on the hood of their car. Like, it was a couple. They were fighting over $10. It got heated. And, and she got on the car. He sweeped her legs off. She fell on the car. It was a wild night, boy. Okay? Why? I don't know why it gets crazy. It just does. But I was thinking about that. And, and let's say you work in retail. You work 40 hours, right? And you're thinking, man, I got this fat check coming. I'm all excited for it. And your boss comes over. And he goes, hey, man. I've been thinking about you. You've been doing such a great, great job. I want to give you a present. And you're like, oh, Snake, give me a present, like a gift card or a bonus. And the present is in a little envelope, and it's your paycheck. How many know that's not a gift? That's mine. <laughs> you, you didn't gift that to me. You gave it to me because I earned it. I deserve it. You know, I'm not giving you credit. I'm not hugging you because you gave me what's mine. That's mine. I deserved it. Now, let's say the opposite is true. Let's say, hey, here's your checkbook. You've been doing a wonderful job, and we're so proud of you. Here, I'm just personally, I want to give you $500 on top of your check. Now, that's a gift, right? It's something that is given to you, not something that you earned or deserved or, or you're, you know, it's something that is given to you. Well, this is why it's important because the Bible tells us that we are saved by grace. Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is what God gives us when we mess up and he doesn't hit us with lightning. Grace is what God gives us when we're struggling and he gives us room to get better and to grow. We don't deserve that favor. We don't deserve for God to show us grace, but he shows us grace anyways. And the truth is, your sins, the, what you deserved was death, but it was the grace of God that says, I don't want them to die. I want them to experience salvation. I don't want them to be eternally cut off from me. I want them to be eternally connected to me. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show them grace. And it's, it, you can imagine all the angels going, but God, they don't deserve it. It's not about what they deserve. It's about how I feel about them. I love them, and so I will show grace on them. Why? Because I'm God. I can do what I want. <laughs> So it's the grace of God. That grace ushered in that salvation. So look, it goes on to say earlier, before those verses, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. It says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
It is only by God's grace, right? It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Grace. Nobody can boast. Nobody can brag as it goes on to say. It says, we're saved by grace so that no one can boast. You can't brag about, ha, ha, I earned my salvation, yo. I've been in church 36 years. You know, I preach so many different places. I earned it. I'm better than you, and I deserve salvation more than you do because I earned it. Nobody can earn it. Nobody earned it, and nobody deserved it. But it's been given freely. What does that mean? That means you're not better than me and I'm not better than you. I'm not holier than thou and you're not holier than me. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect, not even one. And so a lot of times what happens in church is we end up beating ourselves up because we're not at that person's level or we're not as good as this person. And we get, get, we get caught in that comparison, right, where we start comparing each other and we cause ourselves to sin in that comparison. And we start looking at so-and-so and we start looking at this person and we think, well, I'm just not good enough. And the reality is none of us are. And the better you understand that, the more willing you are to walk freely in that grace of knowing, well, it's not about me deserving it. It's not about how good I am. It's about how good God is. So that takes all the pressure off of your shoulders. It takes all the weight off of your shoulders of having to earn something that we couldn't have earned in the first place. The only thing you and I earned was death. But God, rich in mercy and grace, said, I love you too much to allow you to be separated. I love you too much to allow you to walk away. And so I am going to pay that price because God is a just God. He's not just going to waive it. The price had to be paid. But he said, I'll send my one and only son so that you and I can enter into the family of God and we become adopted sons and daughters. This is the beauty of God's grace. And if you and I can, can really get a hold of it, the mentality of things start to change. When you understand God's grace for salvation, you don't beat yourself up every time you sin. Because, listen, again, I'm preaching from the choir, right? I've been in that situation where we messed up and we were like, man, I'm just, I screwed up again. I'm never going to get over this sin. I'm never going to get over this hump. I'm always going to be a loser. I'm, I'm always going to struggle with these things. And we get to a point where we throw our hands in the air and we say, well, I'm no good. I can't be a Christian. As if that suddenly happened. You were never any good. And yet God allows us to be Christians. God allows us to be his sons and daughters. Okay? So when I'm telling you you're not ever any good, it's not to put you down. It's to lift God up. To understand when I look in the mirror, I don't see anything worth saving, but God did. When God looked at me, he said, you are worthy of salvation, not because of who you are, but because of who I am and my love for you. And so my love for you qualifies you to be mine. And again, when I think about that, if it was by grace that I was saved, then it is by grace that I'll be kept. It is by grace that I'll continue to grow and I'll continue to be everything God called me to be. Will I mess up? Have I messed up? Every single day. Absolutely. There is not a day that goes by where I don't do something that falls short of the glory of God. But I lean on that grace and I'm grateful for the grace of God to say, not by my strength, but by yours, God. I didn't do anything to earn this. 
and I really can't do much to maintain it, but I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to be faithful to you, and I will obey you because you've shown me grace and mercy. So many of us, we give ourselves a really hard time, and it forces you to want to quit. It forces you to want to walk away from God. It forces you to think you're not good enough. It forces you to even contemplate taking your own life because you're constantly beating yourself up and feeling like you're not good enough. And the beauty is we never were, and yet in God's eyes, he said, you're worth life. And I'm going to give you life through my death. A gift not only must be given, but a gift must be received. Okay? A gift is not just given, it is received. And so if I'm handing you a present, right? Like somebody come up here real quick. Let's see. Can you see? Kiana, come over here, right? Okay. So let's say Kiana's right here. If I'm giving Kiana a present, now you can put your hands down real quick. Let, let's say she doesn't grab it. I can give it to her. But she'll never have it until she receives it, right? I'm giving it to her. She receives it. Boom. Gift process taken care of. Accomplished. Okay? But if I'm giving and she's not receiving, that's where the gift ends up. So God has given the gift. Thank you, Kiana. God has given the gift. That's why salvation was done over 2,000 years ago on the cross. God has given the gift. God is just waiting for his people to receive it. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we tell people about Jesus. Because there are millions and millions of people who have never received the gift of salvation, even though it's already been given. The gift of salvation is given, and it's given to anyone who would believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave so that you and I can receive salvation. That gift is given, but there is a whole world of people who haven't received it because they haven't yet taken hold of it. See, the reality is part of our responsibility is to let them know. But the gift, it's received. How do we receive it? The Bible says through faith. Right? It is by grace that we have salvation. Through faith is how we receive it. It's a mechanism. It's an avenue, right? So, for example, let's say there was a gift in that box. I'm pretty sure it's a fake box. Let's say, it'd be cool, right, if there was like a PS5 or something in there. But let's just say there was something in that box. The box is simply the mechanism through which the gift is given. It's not what I want. It's what's inside that I want. Okay, or if I can use a different kind of illustration, right? If I'm offering you a bottle of water, the bottle is the mechanism through which I offer you water. You didn't want the bottle, you want the water. It's the water that's refreshing. It's the water that gives life, but it's the bottle that gives it to you. And so Jesus Christ is the one who saves through his grace is what we receive salvation, right? It's by grace that we have salvation. But how do we get that salvation? Through our faith in Jesus, so it's not our faith alone that saves us. It's Jesus Christ who saves us. But how do we receive that salvation? Through faith. We believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. We accept through faith that he died on the cross and rose from the grave three days later so that you and I can have eternal salvation through him. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Can I be honest with you? That seems too easy. It's like I just got to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Christ is Lord, and I receive salvation. Yes. And why does that seem too easy? 
Because it's easy. Because God already did the hard part, right? God is the one who paid the penalty for it. It was through Jesus Christ that he paid that ultimate sacrifice so that you and I don't have to do it. All we have to do is receive it. Right? So if I'm giving you a gift, I'm the one that had to go to the store or had to order it through Amazon. I'm the one that had to wrap it up. I'm the one that had to deliver it to you. All you got to do is say thank you and accept it. So does that seem easy? Yeah, it is easy. I mean, you know, wrapping paper is not hard to get through, guys. It's just you can do it with your finger. It's easy. Why? Because I'm not trying to make it complicated for you to get to the gift. I'm wanting you to have the gift. And Jesus Christ wants each and every one of us to be able to receive and accept salvation. We just have to be able to receive it through faith. That's the only way we can receive it. Because if we don't believe it, how can we own it? Because if you don't have faith, you can't act on it. If you can't act on it, you can't live in it. If you don't live in it, you don't have it. And so it's through faith. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through faith that God will deliver me, that God will do as he says he is. You cannot live your life with Jesus Christ without any faith. That's where most of us struggle. That's why in the Bible when Jesus tells the disciples that Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, he goes, but I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail you. He didn't say that your strength would not fail you. He didn't say that your endurance would not fail you. He said, listen, Peter, they might come at your body, they might come at your mind, but I'm going to pray for your faith, that your faith will stay intact. And when you come back, go and strengthen everybody else's faith. So what does that tell me? That tells me that what God cares about more than anything else oftentimes is that your faith stays intact, which also tells me the thing that the enemy wants to do more than anything is to rip faith right outside your hands. Why? Because it is through faith that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and it is when we lose faith that we walk away from that. Guys, we need to pray that God would help us keep the faith. We need to pray that when things get difficult, when things are challenging, when our mental health starts to get the better of us, when our own emotions start to get the better of us, when we start to get tired and lazy and not want to go to church or read our Bible or pray, we got to pray that God would help us in our faith, that he would maintain our faith so that it will not be lost. A gift must be given. A gift must be received. And a gift must be utilized. A gift must be utilized, right? He says it very clearly. Uh, We don't receive this gift by works. We didn't earn it. It's not by works, but it is for works. Salvation is not by works, but it is for works. What does that mean? It means you didn't do anything to deserve it, but now that you have it, do something with it. You didn't do anything to deserve it, but now that you have it, do something with it, right? What good is a gift that you never use? What good is a gift that stays in the box your whole life? What good is it, like I mentioned a PS5, what good is it if I got you a PS5 and you never opened the box? You could brag all day long, you could take all the pictures you want, like, oh, look what I got, look what they gave me, I got a PS5, blah, 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 blah. But if you never open the box, you never plug it in, you never utilize it, it's a waste of money. It's, it's just metal, it's just plastic. It's utterly useless. So what good is salvation if you don't use it for works? If you don't put it into practice, what good is you being able to have a connection with God if you do nothing with it? And so this is where I think a lot of us get stuck because many of us in this room, we understand that it's by God's grace. We receive the gift through faith. So we have the salvation and we're secure and we're confident. We're like, all good. 
I accepted Jesus. I got even baptized. I'm solid. But then you didn't do anything with it. You, you, you never utilized it. Listen, James chapter 2, verse 17 through 20. If you don't know anything about James, know this. He will tell you like it is. He goes on to say, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You, may, uh, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. You hear the sarcasm in that? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? What good, what good is it if you were the strongest person on the planet and never lifted anything? I'm the strongest person in the world. Yeah, but you don't do anything with that strength. What good is it if you were the smartest person on the planet and you never did anything with those intelligence? I'm the smartest person on earth. Can you, like, cure cancer or something? I could. I just don't want to. Well, then you're useless to me. I don't care that you're the best at something if you don't ever do anything with it. What good is it if you've accepted salvation, if you have eternity in heaven, but you're never willing to pass it along to anybody else? If you still, what, what good is it if you've accepted salvation to go into heaven, but you still decide to live like you're in hell? Like, it's useless. So there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, you know, I got saved when I was like seven. It's like, yeah, but you, you haven't lived like it since you were seven. So, so you have this gift, but you left it on the shelf. And so it's just rotting away, pointless and useless. You have salvation, but you refuse to live in that salvation. What good is saying yes to Jesus when at the same time you say yes to the world? And that's why he says, well, well, I believe. Yeah, but you don't live. So who cares if you believe and you live opposite? As a matter of fact, that's where hypocrisy lies in. That's why they say the greatest cause of atheism in the world are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but walk out the door with an alternate lifestyle. That's what causes people to be confused when they look at you and go, I, I, I thought you went to church. I do. So how come you live like that? I, I thought you went to church. I do. Why are you making out with everybody in class? Oh, I thought you went to church. Why, why are you always trying to touch somebody? Like, I, these two things are contradicting to the world. Well, guess how it is to you? And so what I'm saying is when you receive the gift of salvation, there is so much more that comes with that. Not just responsibilities, but empowerment. When God set you free, you have the ability to go and tell others so that they may be set free. When God is giving you the empowerment of salvation, you now have the authority and the responsibility to walk into that world representing Christ and showing them that there is salvation that they can turn to. I've discovered it. Look at my life. You can have it too. But too many of us accept salvation and then bury it. And we wonder why we wait for every momentum and every summer camp and every breakaway to get saved all over again. It's not that you're getting saved all over again. It's that those are the moments where you decide to live like that again. Your salvation was locked in when you received it. But you don't want to live it out. And so you forfeit it. You walk away from it. I have this, uh, I think about this often. My wife years ago, 
I don't even know how long ago, gave me this speaker. And I don't even remember what the issue was. I think it was like the wrong speaker. It was a great speaker. I think it was just too powerful for like our house. I'm like, that's a powerful speaker. To this day, it's in the closet in a box. I never opened it. And it was like a three, $400 speaker. We kept saying we were going to return it, but we never returned it. And this is where it's crazy. There's no value because I never returned it, and there's no value because I never used it. Now I'm stuck. And that's the problem with many of us. You don't really go back to the world, but you don't want to live like God, so you just kind of get stuck in the middle. And God says in his word, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Lukewarm makes me want to vomit. The fact that you're in the middle is what God makes God sick. God would have more respect if you walked away. And I'm not telling you to. I'm just saying it's even more heated that you want to live in the middle of the two things. God says, man, I'd rather you be hot or cold. And when you understand that this gift is something that God has given to me so that I can use it. Now, let me give you one more example on this. Let's say you give somebody a gift, like a, like a really nice sweatshirt, right? But they never put it on. You never see them wear it. You never see them post a picture. And like, they never, ever wear it. There's going to be a part of you that feels kind of salty. Like, dang, it didn't fit or they didn't like it. You're going to be self-conscious about that. Why? Because they gave you something and you never wore it. You're either going to think they think your taste is nasty or ugly or whatever. Now, let's think of the opposite side. You ever been given some clothing, let's say it's from an aunt, and you maybe don't even like it, but y'all going to eat at that family's house, and your mom's like, hey, go put that shirt on. I don't even like that shirt. Your aunt gave you that shirt. Go put that shirt on. What are they trying? We don't want them to feel bad about what they gave you. We want to make sure that they know you're wearing it. And even one step further, if you really love it, then you sport it every time you see them. Then you're rocking it all the time. And they look at you and they're like, ain't that the sweater I got you? He's like, bro, I wear this all the time. Love this sweater. Now imagine how that person feels. God gave everything so that you and I can receive salvation. He wants to see it on you. He wants to know that when he looks at you, you are wearing that salvation. Not, not out of obligation because somebody made you do it because God was going to show up tonight. Because some of us, we only put our salvation on when we walk in on Thursday night. And we take it right off before we even get into the car in the parking lot. But God is saying, no, no, I want you to wear it all the time. Because I know then you appreciate what I've given you. I gave everything so that you can have that. I don't know about you, I want to wear that with pride. I don't want to be embarrassed about my relationship to God because it cost him everything to pay for it. I want to sport it. I want to be proud of it. And I want others to know how much I love it. One more thing is Pastor Jason can help me out. Salvation is a gift. It's a powerful gift. But it's a gift that needs to be re-gifted. I don't know if you guys have ever re-gifted anything. Uh, I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine the other day. He was given a gift card to Panera Bread. And uh, he does, he's like, I don't, I've never really eaten at Panera Bread. It's not a big thing, whatever. And it was just a little gift card. He go, I, was, I was about to give it to this one kid in our ministry, just kind of like to re gift it, but I, you know, I was just, I forgot. And so he says he went to Panera Bread because he's on like a diet right now. And he thought, well, they have salads there. So I'll just, you know, I'll see if I could buy a salad if I got enough money on the card to buy a salad. So he goes to the register and picks out a salad, and he gives him the gift card, and he's, he's just trying to see how much it is to see how much he has to pay to cover the rest of the money. 
and he's waiting for the gift card back, and the lady's just looking at him, and she goes, oh, do you, do you want a receipt for the balance? He's like, sure, because he kind of knows and he wants to know how much is on the gift card. And he realized when he received the balance that the gift card had $100 on it. This wasn't like no $5 Panera Bread gift card. It was $100. Guess what? He's going to learn to like sandwiches, soup, and salad, right? Now, $100 on that thing. But he almost gave it away because he didn't understand the value. And now that he understands the value and how much value, instead of giving it to the student, he'll just take the student out to eat. It makes such a bigger impact. Sometimes we give away our salvation because we don't carry or understand the value of it. We don't appreciate what it costs to pay for your salvation. And the reality is, God gave you that, not so that you can keep it to yourself, not just so that you can enter into heaven, but as we read in the scriptures, so that you can accomplish works that he prepared long before. Because there's someone else who needs to benefit from your salvation, someone else who can have an opportunity to receive the very salvation that you have. One of the most famous verses in the Bible that sums up the gospel is John 3.16. Many of you probably memorized it if you grew up in church, but it's very simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, here's what I understand about gifts. During Christmas time, we don't buy the whole world gifts. We don't even buy everybody in this room gifts. I love y'all, but I'm just, I am just got that much money, yo. I'm going to be broke. We buy gifts for very special people, people that are close to us, people in our families or close friends. We buy gifts for people that mean something to us, people that we love. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, wouldn't spiritually die, but would receive eternal life. Here's the beauty about a re-gifting. It really cost you nothing. Just effort, intentionality, heart. But you don't have to die on the cross. You don't have to be buried and come back to life. You don't have to conquer death. You don't have to be whipped and bruised and shattered. You just pass along the very thing that's been passed to you. And I want to close with that thought because we're getting ready to close this year out. And I know it's been a difficult year with all the things going on and every new variant that pops up and whatnot. But that doesn't stop people from needing the gospel. As a matter of fact, it reminds us that we don't all have the luxury of living an old life. That some of us may die sooner than we think, like the 750,000 people that have died in the United States from COVID. In other words, you don't have time to wait to give them this gift. You don't have time to put it off and say, well, when I'm older, I'll talk to them about it. When I'm older, I'll live like it. When I'm older, I'll wear it. No, it's got to be today because you are the church of today, not of tomorrow. And I believe God is calling us as a ministry, not just for us to be saved, 
but to offer salvation to anyone and everyone that we come across. Not picking and choosing, not saying, well, he might say yes, but she might say no, or, or this. No, I'm just going gonna, gonna to freely offer as it was freely offered to me. And I'll let every person decide within themselves what they want to do with that gift. But I'm going to make the gift appealing because they see me living it. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And in a moment, I want to pray for those of us in this room who we need to start re-gifting. We need to ask God to help us put those people on our hearts. But for just a moment, with every head bow, every eye closed, I just want to make sure because there might just be a person in this room who's never made that decision to receive the gift of salvation. And I need you to understand, God's offered it. God offered it long before you even walked in this room. And it's not about how good you are, and it's not about what religion you check off in the box. It's about the fact that he loves you and that he wants to have an eternal relationship with you. And the only thing in between you and that relationship is believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Christ is Lord. So I know most of us probably have already made that decision, but just in case, if there's even one who would say, Pastor, I've never given my life to the Lord. I've never said yes to Jesus. I didn't even really understand that until tonight. But now that I do, I want that for myself. No one else is looking around. I'm not going to call you out. This is between you and the Lord. But young lady, young man, if you're in this room and you say, that's me, Pastor, I want to pray with you that prayer so that you would receive that gift. All you got to do is signal me by lifting up your hand, and I'll pray for you. Thank you, bro. Anyone else? Thank you, young lady. Anyone else? Says, so that's me, Pastor. I want to receive that. Amen. Let me pray for those who lifted up their hands. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that's raised in this room. Lord, you might even see a hand that didn't raise, but you were calling out to them. And God, they don't got to prove anything to me. They don't got to show me. It's between you and them right now. And so, Lord, I pray even now that you would search their hearts, God, that you would see the faith that they have in you, the belief that they have in you. And even as they lifted their hands and confessed with their mouths that you are Lord, Father God, I pray in this moment, would you wash away all their sins? Would you forgive them of all their trespasses? Would you make them fresh and anew tonight, oh God? Would you receive them as your children and make them new in your name? And Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone else in this room. Those of us who have already said yes, and even those who just said yes tonight for the first time. Father God, I pray that we would not skate that responsibility, but that we would feel that wonderful pressure of living out a life that is worthy of the salvation you've given us. Father God, we don't want to waste it. We don't want to underutilize it. We don't want to pretend like it never happened. God, you freely have offered this gift. We freely have received it. Now, God, I pray that you would help us to live it. Not just when we're in this building, not just when we're at an event or at a conference or at a camp. God, I pray that in every aspect of our lives, when we're at home and the way that we treat our family and the way that we speak to our parents and the way that we treat our siblings, when we're at school with how we interact with our teachers, with our peers, with the way that we carry ourselves, God, in every avenue that we find ourselves in, God, that we would be representatives of that beautiful and precious gift of salvation. God, that we would represent you well 
so that others would be attracted to you, God, and others would discover what we've discovered in you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to live out and to show you, even just in our actions, a small piece of our appreciation for what you've done. And Lord, I pray that this gift would never be taken for granted, that as we fully understand, we would also make it fully understood to others. Make you known, Father God, so that others would receive the greatest gift that we've ever received, which is our relationship with you. We thank you for that, God, and we give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Remember, there's no small groups tomorrow, but we will see you this week on Sunday. Have a good one. We'll see you Sunday.